Do this to be rich. Three ingredients exposed. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. I like it, Brian. So uh, what I think is great that I mentioned I'm excited about this show. I don't want to forget telling everyone that. (laughs) What I think is really interesting is we have a unique perspective, right? We've um, been fortunate to have some success ourselves, but in our day jobs, we get to be fee-only financial advisors that work with folks from all walks of life, right? So we've actually seen how people become successful, like what they did, what are some of the common traits, what are some of the common threads, and we get to kind of take that knowledge that we've acquired over, you know, a combined three decades and apply that and see if there's like, you know, some common threads we can weave throughout the show that we present. Well, we talk about the process of wealth creation Mm -hmm. a ton. Um, Matter of fact, I mean, you guys know, go get the free deliverable, just go to moneyguy.com slash resources, and you can download our our financial order of operations for free, uh, the deliverable of all the nine steps. So we always talk about the process, but I want to talk about there's something bigger than even the process. Mm -hmm. There's actually ingredients or forces that are out there at work that you need to harness. It's not only just, and it is, look, it it encompasses the behaviors, but it also, you have to know about these elements Mm -hmm. and these ingredients to even harness the power that they offer to you. Um, And what I think is interesting is that, Bo, you picked on me about this in show. Oh, but, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Is that I talked about, and I've, been, I've mentioned this on quite a few shows. If you go, because we talk about the seven habits of highly effective people. Sure. We talk about um, good to great. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how to win friends and influence people. Yep. And every book that you've written on management, processes, structures, if you read these books, you're going to be like, wait a minute, I kind of see that theme that's running under the current there, that you can see they're they're saying the same thing in each book. It's just presented a little bit differently. I I wouldn't even say that I see the same theme. It's almost like I hear the same exact stuff. Like no one's saying new stuff. They're just, like you said, repackaging a little bit. And you start thinking, well, okay, are all these folks like copying one another Mm -hmm. or is something else going on? Is, Is timeless advice truly just timeless, right? So I think money and sound financial management are the same way. Sure. And and I, I brought you love it when I bring props. I if think you think I'm carrot top on the days no, I show up with this. Uh, you need to be a little more jacked, but yeah, you are certainly <laughs> an accountant. Oh, I saw carrot, carrot top. top live when I was at UGA. He was not jacked, jacked or not jacked. Back then. Okay. No, it was it was pre-jacked. So it's um so he's not always been muscular. Yeah, so sure. I just wanted to make sure. That's probably more Vegas carrot top. When Got he was it. doing the college scene, Athens he was, carrot top was he, not. he was very he was very college student looking. Um, but you guys know we have multiple copies. This is this is kind of an older edition. Mm-hmm. We have this version back here. But when you look at the millionaire next door, you don't have to go very far. I mean, you can see right there on my paperclip is because you know Dr. Stanley he he didn't mess around. He kind of gave you right at the beginning the seven factors of becoming a millionaire next door. Yep. And it was it was some pretty common trends and uh, and we can even put these up there on these seven factors. Sure. Is that they live below their means. Yep. They allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. Yep. I got to turn the page. <laughs> Number 3, they believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. Love it. Number 4, their parents did not provide economic outpatient care. Okay. Their adult children are economically self-sufficient. Love it. They are proficient in targeting market opportunities. Okay. They chose the right occupation. Love it. So these are the seven facts. And when was this book written? When was the... 1996. 1996. So, he, so Dr. Stanley said, hey, in 1996, I figured it out. These are the seven factors that I've noticed across wealthy people. So bring up prop number two. Okay, prop number two. Chris Hogan wrote Everyday Millionaires. Yep. This is part of, you know, if y'all don't know, Chris is kind of like Dave Ramsey's right-hand guy mm-hmm. on personal finance. Sure. So Ramsey Solutions, they have lots of research. Matter of fact, this book is based upon supposedly the largest research study of millionaires. Largest pool of millionaires that's ever been studied. So all you have to do on this one, and man, I totally wrinkled some things. But um, if you look at Chris's 
table of contents. Mm-hmm. Let's look at chapter seven. Live on less than you make. Wait a minute. It sounds a lot like uh, well, Dr. Stanley's, they live below their means. There's a reason F.T.E. Daniels slipped that right underneath, they live below their means. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter eight is think ahead. Millionaires are goal-oriented. Wait a minute. Oh, they allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently, working towards common goals, towards things they want to achieve. Chapter nine. Do what it takes. Millionaires are hard workers. Oh, so they think that being actually financial independent is more important than high social status. They work hard towards that goal. And then stick to it. Millionaires are consistent. Uh, so they choose the right occupation. They know what they're going to do and they stick with it and they move through. Yeah, there's a lot of common threads there. So Chris's book was written, written what, in 2018, 2019, sometime around that, well, so right? I think it was, was it? Was it 2016, 2018? Somewhere in there. Probably, Somewhere in there. You know, you know what? Hang on. Hang on. You, you but, it, but it was a number of years after 1996, yet... 2019. The data hasn't changed. The information hasn't changed. It seems to be pretty consistent through time. This book right here was published in 2019. So, But I, what I think is interesting is that we can go even a step further. Yep. We have our own wealth study that we do on our clients mm-hmm. that, are, uh, that are money guy clients. Uh, and we found some interesting trends too. We yep. found optimistic. So yeah, are millionaires more or less optimistic when it comes to their general view or outlook on life? The majority of millionaires uh, consider themselves to be optimists. We actually pulled our group of millionaires. These are money guy listeners that have turned into a bound wealth clients. So and we found that 81% of them would self-classify as optimists. So if you're thinking about one of the traits of being a millionaire, optimism and thinking the glass is half full as opposed to half empty is probably a pretty consistent thought. So that's a powerful one. The second one is, is these guys are, and you heard this both from Chris Hogan, you heard it from Dr. Stanley, they're starters, self-doers mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And you can see that in the stat that do millionaires actually inherit their wealth? Our research, and this ties into those two previous mm-hmm. books that I mentioned, the exact same data. Yeah, we found that uh, 11% of the of the folks that we pulled inherited over $100,000. So I would argue that that's inheriting some wealth. Like if you inherit yeah. six figures, you know, that's, that's material. That's going to give you Definitely sort of a step up. up. Uh, another 12% inherited less than $100,000. So now we're not six years. They had some level of inheritance, but maybe not a meaningful thing that's going to be super, super life-changing. But 77% of the folks that we pulled inherited nothing. Yeah. They are first-generation millionaires, which is pretty remarkable. So if you think about that, I mean, it's, it really is amazing how you start noticing all these trends. But I wanted to distill it into, I think, when I looked at this, I was like, there's even more here. Mm-hmm. Because you hear, you know, the seven traits, and then, you know, Everyday Millionaires has all these survey data. And I was like, I think when I see this, I, I, I start spotting that there's actually three key ingredients that you have to recognize, mm-hmm. and they kind of make up all these components you hear about, talked about in all these other publications. Yep. And those three key ingredients is discipline. Number one. Money. Number two. And then time. And I want to explain what I mean by these. You guys, you've heard me talk about this because I've been throwing out those three words a lot recently because they just, they keep popping in my brain. They keep just jumping out. And I'm like, if everybody can just understand these three components, they will know what the most important parts of wealth creation actually are. Because if you can figure these three out, it's not that difficult to become wealthy. It's a fairly simple process, not necessarily an easy process. But pretty simple. It's only three ingredients. It's hard to screw up that recipe. Well, yeah, it's just like there's so many checklists. I mean, when I when I think about processes, mm-hmm. you can get overwhelmed. Yeah, for sure. That's why I do think systems like Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps works for a gr- good group of people. I think financial order of operations for the more advanced type of planners sure. is good. But at the end of the day, when you start out, you've got to start somewhere. Three Seems like about the right number to start with so that you don't let the big stuff slip Mm -hmm. by. So that's why I want to go deeper into each one of these. So the first one, discipline. Let's let's talk about discipline a little bit. This is the clearest sign that you're a financial mutant. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what you're really trying to figure out. Are you, you know, and, and I always think about, you know, Professor Xavier. Okay. You know, he's always from the 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 X-Men, right? Of course, because you're looking to see, do you display the behaviors that mean 
that you're going to morph into mm-hmm. this incredible financial mutant that builds all kind of opportunity for your family, but also makes the world a little bit better place because you're able to be generous and other things. You're looking, what are the indicators that I might actually have this mutation that creates tremendous potential? Yeah, and I think the probably the, the clearest example of this or the most easy example to see inside of a financial mutant to really suggest that they get the discipline part and they're mastering the discipline part is deferred gratification. And so whenever we use any sort of vocabulary like that, we want to make sure we give you a definition. And deferred gratification describes resisting the temptation of an immediate reward today in hopes of a greater reward in the future. You, you say it a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm saying that you need to just, just give a little bit of today for a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know, love me some Walt Disney World. And great, big, beautiful tomorrow is exactly what you can build if you can just do that little bit of today. And this isn't some new idea, new concept that we've come up with. Psychologists have actually studied this for years and years and years, and they've even kind of studied this in children, right? When we've talked about this previously in the show where there's uh, what's called the marshmallow test, where essentially you're supposed to take a kid age three to five. Uh, my kids are three and five right now. I've not done this yet. I need to. And you're supposed to put a marshmallow in front of them and say, hey, listen, junior, uh, if you don't eat this marshmallow, I'm going to walk out of the room. I'll be back in five minutes. When I come back, if you don't eat the marshmallow, I'm going to give you two marshmallows. And you're supposed to have a f- camera set up or something so you can watch your kid's reaction when you leave the room. Well, we think that uh, what you want to see happen is your child sits there and waits patiently and uh, the marshmallow just kind of sits there and they come back and they say, Mom, Dad, I was so patient. Look how well I did. I'd love to get two marshmallows now. I have one kid that that might happen with. My other kid, before the door shuts behind me, marshmallow's gone. Yeah. Guaranteed. No doubt about it. Well, that's human nature. Yep. I, I will tell you, there's a reason I use the terminology financial mutant. Mm-hmm. Is that if this was easy, if this was normal, you wouldn't be a mutant. You'd that's just right. be like everybody else. So that's the part. So we do consider kind of this deferred gratification, the adult yep. marshmallow it's test perfect. and the fact, and, and here's the parts that I think are impacted by discipline, your mindset. Mm-hmm. Are you are you viewing the world? I mean, we heard that millionaires are much more concerned about reaching their goals mm-hmm. than what their status looks like. So your mindset will be impacted. Your strategy, mm-hmm. you're going to have discipline built in your strategy. Your lifestyle will likely, likely reflect it. Why do you think both of these authors use titles that give you visualizations of the millionaire next door. It's common. That, that yeah. makes you think of, hey, that person that lives in the normal street just like you live in might have a million dollars yep. and you would never know it. Same thing, everyday millionaires. These are people walking down the street like everyday people yep. you know, that you pass at the grocery store. The difference is they got seven figures mm-hmm. sitting in the bank. So think about your lifestyle will be impacted. Your behavior will be changed and definitely your habits. That's going to be the biggest thing. Discipline will show up in how you're living your life. So discipline affects mindset, strategy, lifestyle, behavior, habits, but also it affects your finances. It's no different. And what we've recognized is that if you can start the process of building your army of dollar bills, a little turns into a lot in a big, big way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it, this is definitely building wealth. It gets so much easier if you'll just start early. Mm-hmm. And I know, look, we have so many debates about people like, no, I mean, even today, this morning, Twitter, right now, I've got some tweets sitting out there that um, people don't invest anything until you get all of your debt paid off. Nope. I'm like, guys, you're only going to be in your 20s mm-hmm. 10 years, and it's one time you're done. Yep. You're only going to be in your 30s one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's what, I'm in my late 40s. There's going to be plenty of time to pay that debt mm-hmm. down. Let's just try to get some assets that are working out mm-hmm. there for you because you're going to realize when you get in your 40s, when you get in your 50s, <laughs> You might have squandered some key opportunities in your 20s and 30s. I see it all the time in our comment section when you go look at our shows focusing on 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds. So if you're in the 20s, maybe don't watch our By Age series just for the 20s and 30s. Sure. Go watch the 50s and 60s so you can go read the comments and see people say, "Go, no, these guys, I wish I would have seen this when I was in my 20s. 
you will fix these mistakes. Because the fact of the matter is, the earlier you start, the easier it is. We wanted to put together an illustration just showing how much you would have to start saving at each age in five-year increments to get to a million dollars by the time you turn 65, to be a millionaire. And we just assumed a descending rate of return. So 10% at age 20, and then it decreases by a tenth of percent each year until you get to 65, you're earning five and a half percent. So we actually have the rate of return decreasing. Well, while you're young, it only takes $95 a month for a 20-year-old to get to a million bucks by the time they turn 65. That's not that difficult. That's not crazy heavy lifting. If you wait until later in life and you wait until you get to 40 to get serious about it, now you have to save $780 a month at age 40. Your 20-year-old self had to do so much less work than your 40-year-old self has to do to get to the same place by age 65. And I think I can already, I can already head them off at the pass. There's gonna be a group that says, yeah, but that 20-year-old, by the time they reach million-dollar status, it's just not going to be worth the same. It's not going to be same. worth a million dollars. But here's, here's something I can tell you guys. You know how you the easier easiest way to get to $3 million? Have a million dollars about four years earlier. That's right. I mean, because that's the thing. Is this tell the tell of how you need to not think linearly. You need to think exponentially, guys. Because yep. what happens is after you cross a million, you'll find you cross two million within probably the next three mm-hmm. years. This thing starts multiplying. It gets intense really quickly. So don't give me the inflation issue. Get off your duff and actually start building the wealth because... You start at 20, it gets easier. And I'm just telling you, don't let yourself have excuses or coping mechanisms that derail you from that dream. Now, this is what we see happens most often, right? This is where the stacking gets so exciting because someone who starts saving $25, uh, $95 at age 20 probably doesn't stop there. They probably don't stop and just save $95. They might, by age 25, be saving an additional $158 on top of that. So if you add those two and you're saving that much at 20, guess how much you'd have by the time you get to 60? Five. You'd have $2 million. You can actually start stacking. Again, the earlier you start, the more powerful the dollars will be. The sooner you figure this out, the sooner you're going to make your life so much easier. I'm even seeing folks in the comments saying, oh yeah, you know, I really didn't start until I was 30 or 32 or 35. That's okay. You still have tons of time. People ask us all the time, when is the best time to start saving money? When's the best time to start investing? Our answer is always the same. The single best time to start was yesterday, which makes the second best time to start today. So if you're listening to this now and you are behind the gun, get caught up and start today. Start doing something. You will not regret it. So, Sean, we got them all excited. I felt like we should have hit the hype button or, or gotten everybody just recognizing what we just shared. But that's not the reality, Bo. No, not it's, the reality it's, at all. It's much sadder. And I, I, we put this more as a, this is a sober test to let people realize this is what your peers, if you think about that first day of college, they always scare people, just mm-hmm. look to your left, look to your right. You know, only so many of you are going to make it through it. This is kind of that slide in the fact that the majority of you can't come up with a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's, it's pretty disheartening. Uh, Bankrate found that 59% of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in savings. And Brian, I have a real, real world example of this. Uh, my wife was hanging out with a friend the other day, and this is a friend that she's known for a long, long time. And they, they had their kids and they were going somewhere. And uh, my wife was heading back to the house and the other lady said, was going to stop by Zaxby's or something or somewhere to get some food. And I was like, hey, uh, can you just uh, pick up some food for us and I'll Venmo you to pay you back. And her friend was like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. But I need to check my account. I need to check my checking account. Right. And, and my wife was like, I, I don't understand. I was like, yeah, she didn't, she didn't have any emergency. She, she didn't know if she had enough money to be able to cover additional food. I think a lot of Americans live in that place. That yeah. is not the place that you want to be. That's not sound financial mutant money management. That's certainly not exercising discipline. No, you need to have margin because that's what discipline does create margin. Mm-hmm. So you have the flexibility. So things, you don't take your life into the financial ditch. There's a reason we talk about financial order of operations. You got to make sure you have your deductibles covered yep. first before you can even move on to the next step. So let's keep it going though, because I want to talk about what does discipline actually look like? Sure. Let's give you some actual 
How does this apply to your life? Yep. So the first thing that we think discipline looks like is living happy on less. Yeah. This is the idea of deferred gratification. If you make $100, don't spend $100. Live on less than what you make and be happy living on less than what you make. And, and literally, that one statement, living happy on less, is step number one. They live well below their means. Step three, they believe that the financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. And number six, they're proficient in targeting market opportunities all those things are made available, yep. possible, by living happy on less. So discipline's about not doing some things, and it's about doing some other things. We think it's also about not trying to outsmart yourself. And we see people do this all the time. A really, really easy example is folks start investing and they start saying, oh, I got to go figure out when the ne- what the next stock is, what's going to be the next Tesla or the next Apple or the next Google It doesn't have to be that complicated. When you're just starting out, when you're at the beginning of your financial journey, you should be able to answer two questions. How much can I save? When do I want to retire? If you can answer those two questions, there are fantastic solutions out there for you in target date retirement funds that will solve the complicated piece for you until you graduate to needing something more sophisticated. And I I just want to add the emphasis, index target retirement funds are the ones we definitely love the most. And you can a good place to go do some uh, some due diligence is go look at Fidelity Investments. Yep. They've got the the Fidelity Freedom Index funds. Mm-hmm. Vanguard has the Target Retirement funds. These are things that you ought to go do some research on because um, we get picked on. Sometimes mm-hmm. people will say you're not given actual specific recommendation. Just listen to our content. We we are telling you what you ought to focus on. And yes, there is. If you can go look at target retirement funds, it will do everything you need until you get to a level of sophistication that hopefully you'll graduate through the abundance cycle. Another thing I think that's so interesting is that even folks that have mastered deferred gratification to an extent, and they've been able to build up really healthy portfolios, large pots of money, they still struggle with this not outsmarting yourself. How many phone calls have we gotten this year from uh, f- f- friends of the show or other things saying, hey, you know, if this election goes this way, I think I want to go to cash. Yeah. Or, hey, I think if it's, this is going to happen, then I think I want to go. I think that when you try to time the market and figure out which way it's going to move, you are outsmarting yourself and you're setting yourself up for a big heaping pile of failure. I have personally sent out our election episode on our my texts. Like if you go to my personal friend's text threads, I'm sending them copies of, of the that episode, episode. <laughs> because they're asking, should we just go to cash? And I'm like, watch this. Watch It'll, this. Watch this. Do you have enough cash to cover your needs for the next yep. two or three years? That's essentially what your emergency mm-hmm. reserves is supposed to do. Chill out. It'll be okay. No matter who wins, we will still be here. It you, will be all right. You just said something perfect because that's the kind of the third bullet that we think discipline looks like. Covering your risks. You mentioned emergency reserves. That's a great example If you're a disciplined person, you do first have that $1,000 that 59% of Americans don't have, but then you've also recognized you've worked through the financial order of operations and you have your three to six months of emergency fund funded, your three to six months of expenses. You're making sure you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then this one got put in there. I'm going to give you credit for this. Growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I do. I think this is something that's interesting is that we know Dave. We, lo- we love Dave Ramsey. He's got his baby steps. Sure. We all hate his children. Somebody tells you, do it this way because I told you Because I so. told you so. That's right. And I think that's where Dave's situation, and, and rightfully it needs to be that way because 80% of the, the public, they're just horrible with money. Mm-hmm. You've heard the stat, 60% can't even come up with $1,000. Yep. They need to do stuff because Dave told them so, and I completely tie into that. If you're a financial mutant, though, you're getting a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. You're, you're growing up. You're out there on your own. You have the ability to understand that there might be some differences in your plan from somebody who struggles with credit card debts because mm-hmm. credit card debt is a four-letter word. You don't even struggle with that if yep. you actually understand how good money management works. So that's why we do have financial order of operations. It gives a lot more flexibility. We call it adult steps. That's right. If you want to look at a graduation path here, because there's a lot more flexibility built into it. If you can't handle it, though, make sure you're staying back with Dave, Mm because he will keep you safe and doing it the the way that that is much more 
it's much more you know stringent, mm-hmm. rightfully so, if you don't have the right discipline, because that is this key component we're talking about. All right, so that's ingredient number one, discipline. Let's talk a little bit about ingredient number two for how to be rich or be wealthy or have financial success. Money, guys. You know, you know look, the guys broke my heart in the content meeting this morning. We, well, I, he, you did. He buried that lead. Did you oh, know he did? Right. I mean, you. it was last week we're preparing the show, and I'm thinking about money is the lubricant that allows wealth creation to occur. Okay. Now, a lot of people, we've done a whole show on, does money bring happiness? No. Is money going to be the thing that's going to make you look cool to the the people that have all treated you bad in the past? No. no. It's basically a tool. It's a lubricant to create wealth mm. and other things for the future so you can spend time on your means. Well, there's a sci-fi book out there. Dune. I'm I'm just gonna zone out of this part of the show. I'm gonna just hang out over here. Y'all share it with me because I because I look at money as the spice must flow, meaning that it is it is one of those things where it will. This is what's going to create the process. But don't misunderstand what money actually is in the wealth building process. But the part that y'all broke my heart as you shared this movie has been pushed. Oh, yeah, they're, they're coming out with 2021. the movie Dune, which some of us were excited about, and <laughs> the rest of us weren't Brian. And, uh, Look, and there are a lot of our off. viewers that are my age. They're going to be just as excited. Don't you? Know you you, you, you guys say, don't my, know. You just wait. About we're, going, we're about to see a bunch of people my age that are just as sad as I am that that movie's been pushed off, but we'll keep on. Or James Bond. You're probably going to James Bond, which I love James Bond too, by the way. But but seriously, money is the lubricant that's going to create wealth. So, and this is, and this is such an important thing to me that I, I want to I even pick on myself a little bit and the fact that I get it. Sometimes on this show, I'll use the word save and invest interchangeable. Uh, we literally had someone earlier in the live chat comment on that. Oh, you're not talking about saving. You're talking about investing. And I get that. I, and, and truthfully, that's a, it's a valid sure. con- statement. But the reality of the situation is, if you're thinking about in terms of financial order of operations, where you are with your money, each dollar has a purpose. You're a good field general. You're using your army of dollars well. That there is, I do think about it interchangeably. In the fact that if you're saving money, that money is not sitting on the sidelines, sitting nope. stagnant, unless it's part of the emergency reserves core, unless it's part of the deductibles covered sure. part. But everything else has got a plan, and it's probably getting put to work somewhere. Yep. So, But that is something I'll try to work on. But I do think about those things interchangeably, is that if we're saving the money, we're probably putting that money to work. Mm-hmm. Love it. And what I think is so interesting is if you were to poll most folks and say, hey, all right, uh, we're doing this show on ingredients. And a lot of you guys did this. Hey, we're doing this show on ingredients. What would you think are the big ingredients you need to be successful? And people are going to say, oh, well, you need money. You got to have lots of money. Mm-hmm. If you want to be wealthy, you got to have lots of money, lots of money, lots of money. That's, that's false. It's false. What I think is so interesting about money is it's not even all that important because just like we said with discipline, if you figure it out early, it only takes a little bit of money to do some really, really big big things in your financial life. It really is that pebble that you're starting to to roll down the hill. You could do snowballs, you can do, you know, mud, you know, because we're from the South. I mean, it doesn't matter what you want to start as the smallest building component. It can start really Mm -hmm. small. And like I said, quit thinking literally, think compounding exponentially. It turns into something huge. Yeah, we have a, a great deliverable out on the Money Guy website. You can go to moneyguy.com slash resources. This is called How Powerful Are Your Dollars? It's the first time I've ever gotten it right on the first try. <laughs> and this shows two things. One, you know, this does show, okay, how much do I have to save each month to be a millionaire? And instead of going in five-year increments, this is at each age. So if you yeah. are a 33-year-old, you can see exactly how much you need to save to get to a millionaire. And you can see early on in life, the earlier you start, the less money is required. But what I think is so valuable is if you look at the wealth multiplier, how powerful your dollars can be. One dollar, one little piece of money, one single dollar for someone that's the age of 20 is the equivalent to $88 by the time they get to retirement. The earlier you can figure out this multiplier, the better off you're going to be. So if you're someone who's been saving and you're someone who's 32 and you say, you know what, I've got 
$15,000 saved up and I just feel like I'm behind the gun, you ought to take that $15,000, multiply it times your wealth multiplier, which would be 18.05, and that's what you're on track to have by the time you get to 65 without saving another dime. Your dollars can be that powerful, and it doesn't take a lot to go a long, long way. Well, I mean, that's why we are constantly the biggest thing, I think. I, I, I hope people recognize I, there are key components that I say so often. It's because I want to make sure that you incorporate this. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest is saving 20 to 25% yep. of your gross income. Yep. And I get it. If you're in your 20s, you're like, that's tough, Brian. I can't do that yet. Mm -hmm. We've all been broke in our 20s. And sure. the good news is you might not even have to be at that point in your 20s because as you're figuring things out. But really, by the time you're in your early 30s, I really do want you to be hitting on that 20 to 25% yep. of your gross income. And, and here's why. why. There's a, big, a, a quick exercise we can do can you build wealth with a low income? Can you build wealth? Yeah, we just showed it. For a 20-year-old, exactly. it's 95 bucks a month. Yeah, yeah, uh, unequivocally, yes, you can build wealth with low income. But can you build wealth with a zero savings rate? And the answer is no, because no, you can multiply zero. a million times zero it's still, still going to zero. be zero. So I'll, I'll rephrase the question. Can you build wealth with a low savings rate? And the answer is no, if you don't start early. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a big enough shovel, that's, that's right. your term, shovel. Yep. And the fact that you're talking about how big is your income. That's right. And yep. that's, that's the parts where it gets much more difficult if your savings rate doesn't reflect what is needed from the time as well as your age, which those things are all interrelated. You're going to start noticing these things are rel relatives to each other. They are mm -hmm. cousins that you better respect each component of this wealth creation because they, they interchangeably work with each other. All right. So you're like, all right, guys, I'm bought in. I'm on this money train. Mm -hmm. Now what do I do? Okay. Mm -hmm. what, what do I do? Well, uh, we think that there are two paths and this is maybe the most simple, most basic financial advice that we could ever give. When it comes to the money piece of the three ingredients, you really have two options if you need more of it. You can make more or you can spend less. It's literally binary. It's that simple. If you need more money to be able to put into savings, more money to put into your portfolio, more money to put into your army of dollar bills, there are only two ways to do that. Make more or spend less. So let's talk about these two things that you can control. Sure. This is the, the first one, the making more money. Um, pay attention to that college major, guys. Oh, that's a huge one. That's I mean, because there's a lot of young people that watch this show. And um, I'm, I, I will tell you, as I've gotten older, I'm amazed how decisions from such a small window of my life have impacted everything. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm talking about, I've even thought about, you know, because I was a finance major. Sure. I switched to accounting. Mm -hmm. Would I? Would we have all this if I'd have stayed in finance? I, I just don't There's know. A not, because yeah. look, back when I was, d things are different now. Bo actually has a financial planning degree. Yep. Meaning you can actually go get a degree in financial planning now. You couldn't do that when I was there. Finance people typically turn out to be salesmen sure. at stock brokerage firms. Yep. I mean that was that was kind of the path that scared me out of that major is because I was like. I don't know anybody with money, and I look like I'm 12. There's no way I'm going to be successful in this industry. And, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, picking your major is one big piece of it, but I think even probably picking your school is another big piece of it, too. Uh, when you were coming through, what was the most prestigious accounting program in the country? Do you remember, like, what, what's a school that's, like, known for accounting? Well, I mean, at the, t at the time. Back, this is back then. Back then. Well, I mean, it's going to be embarrassing to all of us dogs. Oh. Florida had a really good accounting program at the time. You were, uh, I immediately regret this Be careful this asking me questions right, that so you don't here, know the answer the, to. Here's the point that I'm making. Someone comes out with a degree from Florida with an accounting degree, and they had to rack up tons of student loan debt to do that, right? They had to rack you know, tons and tons and tons of student loan debt. Someone else comes out with an accounting degree from a smaller, more affordable in-state school, but they both go out and they both pass the CPA exam and they have a few years of experience. Was all of that student loan debt that that person acquired at Florida, was it worth it? Or perhaps could they have achieved the same ultimate career goal, career trajectory, career fill in the blank, if they would have gone the less expensive route? And, and I'll even, I'll tee this up in a better way because we get a lot, we get a little flack on this because we never give this, this college hack 
that people scream it in our comment section. I'm like, you're right. Why don't we yep. mention it? What about going to community college for two years and then transferring into that prestigious That's, school? Um, there's a lot of people. Their diplomas look exactly like mm-hmm. my diploma. It's just it was a lot cheaper That's exactly to, right. to, to do it those two years. So, if, and look, if you got the money without going and getting in debt or, you know, family members, go have the full experience. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the situation that you've got to get creative so that you don't straddle yourself with lots of debts and other things that hang over you for a sure. long time. Um Let's talk about new jobs. I mean, let's think oh, maybe, yeah. you're, maybe you're maybe not, you're in, not college. in the college age. Maybe you're, you're in the, the. I want to give you a perfect case study. Anybody here, a lot of you guys, when you graduate to Abundance Cycle, you see we have an awesome team mm-hmm. behind us. Be, uh, best financial planning team in the entire country. I'm going to say that. I, and I've got, I've got an, a, a, a lead advisor here um, named Eric Hell. Mm-hmm. Eric doesn't even know he's in the show notes. He has today. no idea. But um, Eric moved in, from Texas, he, mm-hmm. you know, big four accountant. Um, was working in industry, money guy fan, reached out to me, and by goodness, he's moved from Texas to Tennessee, and he's now part of the team. Guys, that is talking about making tracks and controlling your destiny and seeing an opportunity and trying to figure out, am I doing what I need to be? What was I put on this earth to do? He did it. Yep. I mean, I think about our – I mean, we have that case study. I could do that on a lot of other employees and others – you can look at your own life and go, am I where I'm supposed to be? Sure. Question that and figure out, is there an opportunity? And maybe you even have to move down a little bit or even sideways yep. to make that happen. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, yeah. but I need to ask you to self, quit thinking in 12-month increments. Start thinking three, five, ten years, because mm-hmm. that just like investing is a long-term in nature – so it's living your life, yep. guys. So 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 get out of twelve month mindsets and think more long term. But you know, uh, changing jobs and move those are big decisions. I mean, that's big life stuff. That perhaps yeah, if you're not doing what you're putting the surf to do, certainly figure that out and try to improve that. But sometimes we're just like we got family commitments and we got the mortgage and we yeah. got the car and we got these things. So maybe we can't do that big go start a new career at a new place with new people. But what's great is one of the things you can do to influence how much income you have coming in, this is the greatest time, I think, in the history of civilization for side hustles. For sure. Well, to go out there and do a side gig to generate a little bit of extra money, I would say it's much easier now than it was when you came out of school. For sure. I mean, because you can – I mean, it's so easy with all of our mobile apps mm-hmm. and everything else. If you want to go deliver food. You can do it. Yep. If you want to go buy groceries for somebody, you can do it. And by the way, what a weird time with this pandemic Mm -hmm. that if you're a younger person, you have lots of time and you have older people that are in in a very tough situation, you're doing good too. I mean, because these people will count on you and need you. So not only are you making more money, but you're also helping those who who can't provide for themselves Mm -hmm. right now. I think that's a win-win situation. And here's a challenge I want to give you if you're in your 20s. I want you to really think about your day. I want you to look at your phone. Like I know Apple products have an audit feature where you can see how much how much screen, screen time. time. Yeah. And I want you to ask yourself, should there be maybe two or three hours of that that was used for something, something more productive? Because I can tell you, you're going to get to your 30s and 40s and go, what the heck was I doing in my 20s? Because <laughs> my, my wife and I literally so have that busy. conversation. No, it happens all the time. I mean, it happened to all of us. So I don't want you to be hard on yourself, but you're going to look back at your 20s and go, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you just, you're going to see life will engulf, mm-hmm. it'll suck out all that time and capacity that you have. And that's okay when you're in your 20s, you're broke. Mm-hmm. So let's you, but you got abundance of time. Whereas what's, what's sad, you get to be my age. I'm not broke. I ain't got time for anything, though, guys. I'm just going to tell you. I'm getting pulled in all directions. So I got all the money uh, you know, to go do the sure. things, but I don't have time to, to do much of anything. So that's, that's, the, that's the balance you need to look at and figure out if there might be an opportunity with a side hustle. And we even have a case yeah, study. I, I want to I give you some credit here, Brian, because when I was just a wee lad in my 20s, I remember we were sitting, this was down in McDonough, Georgia. You showed me this illustration. Yeah. And you said, but let me go ahead and, let, I, I, you said something really dumb, but it was like, let me show you what your future looks like, or let me let you it's peek in the impactful. future. 
I mean, it was impactful because it did, uh, but you know, looking back, it's kind of funny. But you showed me this illustration right here. And you said, let me show you how, how cruel, I think was the word you used, but it's not really cruel, it's just reality. Let me show you how real life is. And this is the illustration that you showed me. Well, it is. It's one of those things where you think about what you have coming in income-wise, mm-hmm. what your commitments are, and uh, there's a reason we call it the, the messy middle. The messy middle. I mean, because when you're in your 30s, I mean, think about it. Not only do you, you, you start a family, but that's when the average person buys their first house. Yep. And you're going to figure out there's a lot of things pulling at that back pocket. Mm-hmm. So you just you need to recognize that. Look, there's a reason I think all the happiness surveys show once you get in your 50s. There's this confidence that comes that, yeah, you're carrying on a few extra pounds, but you know what? You don't care. You do not care. And a lot of this, that's why I look your at, disposable look income at your, commitments your commitments goes down to the ground. Meanwhile, your disposable income is typically all right. It's gone down a little bit, but the separation mm-hmm. is tremendous. Take heed this to, to see if there's something actionable for you. But for you, you might be out there listening and say, oh, I don't want to drive Uber or I don't want to do Postmates or I don't want to do fill in the blank because it's only a couple hundred bucks, right? It's only a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, we asked Daniel to put together an illustration for us. And hey, how valuable can a side hustle be? How, how, how good can this be? And this is what we found out. If someone that starts at 30 years old, if we assume they can earn 9% on average, if they save an extra $200 per month starting at 30, that could be almost $600,000 by the time they get to 65. I'm gonna say that again. The little side hustle, the little thing that you're doing that generates an extra 200 bucks a month, if you take that $200 and you invest it towards retirement, it can mean an extra $600,000 by the time you get to retirement. 200 doesn't sound all that crazy, 600,000 sounds like a big, big deal when you think yeah. about retirement income. I mean, and that, that's, that's, that's going to be the part that lets you feel comfortable enough in retirement to have the margin to really enjoy life. Absolutely. So let's, that, we spent a lot of time on making more. Mm-hmm. But what if you look at your situation, and maybe you're, maybe you're in the messy middle. You're in your 30s. <laughs> you're like, I ain't got time. <laughs> ain't no, ain't no way. Let me put the baby down to watch this, <laughs> this, this, this next section. Let's talk about spending less. I mean, and that's what mm-hmm. we, we know. We, we don't talk about budgeting a ton because we're, and I, I, I've heard you guys asking for content on cash management sure. plans and for scarcity. We're going to create something yep, on that. For sure. But it's, um, but budgeting, if you haven't reached to the point of understanding having a cash management plan, there is no shame in doing a budget. Nope, not at all. Get out there. And um, do we have any resources on the web, on our on our website with we, the budget? We have some old ones. We don't have any good ones. We're gonna. That's one of the things we're working on as we're growing the Money Guy family. Have more resources available. Put that. That's that that notation. That's him. When you edit the, the video. He's that's putting what, it on the whiteboard right that, there. We need that's that. We need that. that we need that resource. So I we're gonna work sure on some sort of budgeting, some sort of cash management tool. But yeah, if, if you haven't mastered those foundations, I had a phone call with a client the other day. He's like, Hey, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. But I just don't know where it's going. You know, I feel like I've got this going on and that going on, and I really don't have a bead for it. And I told him, I was like, hey, I know that you are well, you're a wealthy individual, you have a super high income, you're in a great spot, but maybe you need to go back to the basics and for the next month or two, just track where your spending is going. Because mm-hmm. it's hard to know where your money's disappearing to if you're not actually marking it down and figuring out, okay, where's this money going? So that you can figure out where you can squeeze, where you can cut out some margins. I have another client, and you know this one. She had like a subscription to everything you could possibly subscribe to. Like she had like the Netflix and the Hulu and the, what's the clothing that they send to you? Uh, Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix. She wasn't using any of them. And I told her, I was like, hey, why don't we think about like, you know, cutting some of these out. She's like, trimming that footprint. Oh my goodness. It saved me like hundreds of dollars a month on stuff that I didn't even realize. If you start tracking, that's a really easy way to find some extra money in the budget. There, there's no doubt if you will just get very deliberate with how you're spending every dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason, you know, we just did that show on Graham Stephan Mm -hmm. and he lives kind of a minimalistic lifestyle. Yeah. And I've often told you guys that I had a conversation with my wife when we were in our 20s and 30s, if she just go on this journey with me, by the time we were in our 40s, we'd kick it up a notch. And I'm not even, look, I'm not telling you to be a miser. No, I don't want you to no, be Scrooge McDuck, where you're you're not, you know, or maybe Scrooge McDuck was, but just think about, you know, Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. And the Ebenezer Scrooge McDuck. He was such a miser 
that he's not enjoying any of the money. I'm, I want you to have a bedazzled basic life. Mm-hmm. I still want you to go on trips and other things, but instead of spending twelve thousand dollars to go to Europe, you might be spending four thousand sure. dollars to go to Europe. Yep. I mean, those are the things you can still have a lot of the same experiences. It's just not going to be the luxury variety, but that's okay because your memories mm-hmm. blossom anyway. And while you're in your 20s, while you're in your 30s, you put up with a lot more than you can, I promise, when you're in your 40s and 50s and you're waking up in the middle of the night naturally. Just yep. So you can deal with a lot more in your 20s and 30s. So just p- deal with those decisions. Enjoy life, but think about in a bedazzled way. What are yep. some ways I can kick up? my life, but not jeopardize the savings goals and the other things I need to be doing. Now, here's a little bit of uh, cold water. One of the things you have to do, because lifestyle creep is a real thing, and it exists for all of us, and it happens. If you're someone who finds yourself in a place where your lifestyle has kind of expanded, possibly beyond where it needed to, you need to have a hard conversation with yourself. If you've listened to one of the shows we've done on car buying, and we say, hey, if you have a luxury automobile, it has to be paid off in 12 months. And you say, well, guys, 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 I got like this 60-month loan on my BMW, and I, I can pay it off in 12 months. We would argue you probably can't afford that car. I, I've had that phone call with some folks where they're – what's bad is when they're in their 40s, like, I've got to do the BMW, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yep. You, you, I just – got to do the BMW. I'm just going to finance it. And I'm like, if you can't pay for it, you just can't afford that you car. You just can't afford you, it. You, That's you, the truth. You need the Honda. That's right. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Yep. You know, why are we still just because you live in this neighborhood? And that's the that's the hard decisions I think a lot of people struggle with. That's a reason we have that rule on financing. We do give you flexibility, but if you can't pay same as cash on luxury vehicles, you can't afford a luxury vehicle. That's right. That's exactly. So, right. so so take that take heed of that. So I think we came pretty hard on we're trying to create more spice or more um, lubrication through the process, which is money. We we want to make sure you're greasing the skids so you can create least resistance for your success. And that what's going to provide that viscosity is going to be money. Love it. Uh, None of this was in show prep. I know. I mean, you said that lubrication, (laughs) viscosity. I just want people to know this is going to, money is going to be the lifeblood that creates. That's right. Because there are, just in review, two things you can control. Your discipline, and then the money that's mm-hmm. created from that margin that you can put into the process. Yep. Those are the only two things you can kind of control. And sadly, the next component I'm going to talk about, Tom, is the most valuable, mm-hmm. but actually the most out of your control too. Yeah, I, I would. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know if we thought through this. I don't know if we did this in order of importance or in order of impact or power. Well, I've done it in kind of the. I'm once again thinking in terms of like financial order of sure. operation. What's the first step that has to occur? Discipline. discipline. Okay. You're not yeah. going to have any margin unless you have discipline. And then that creates the actual tool that will allow you to actually start the process, mm-hmm. which is money. Yep. But then that leads to the, the most patient, the slowest, the boringest, but also the most powerful part of this entire process. It's time. And you, you said something, Brian, and again, this is in like your old man on the front porch wisdom for the team. You said, hey, team, have you ever looked at other financial planning firms? Have you ever went out and looked at, you know, you have colleagues or counterparts that work at other firms. Have you ever noticed a common thread that all of their names have in there? It's, it's big old trees. Big old trees. There's, there's oaks and big woods. I don't know if that was... O-L-D or O-L-E? Big oh, old trees. Big old trees. <laughs> so it's, um, but you see, we have a big live oak tree here in, in this picture that we put up. And that's what you see that. I mean, we, we know a firm that was red oak. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yep. it gives you this imagery. And here's something. And look, I, this whole section, time is something I've thought a ton about because I think about 88 times over. There's a reason that focus on that so much because it really is driven so much by Tom. And then I'm reading the the, the psychology of money, Morgan Housel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he had a great analogy that I'm going to use in here, but he also to set up the analogy, he talked about trees. Now he didn't talk about firms and trees, but he did say, look, you plant a tree, you come back a year, it doesn't look any different. That really. changed like, a whole lot. Crud. Man, that thing's slow growing. And then you come back 10 years, though, you're like, wow, that, tree, mm-hmm. that tree's kind of made some progress. You come back 50 years after planting a tree, and you're like, 
holy cow, that's a, that's a daggum tree. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's kind of how money and wealth creation is too, is because it's if you go and you put money, unless you bought Tesla last year, <laughs> but if you put money in a financial instrument, an investment, typically a year later, you're like, yeah, all right. Oh, okay. It's yeah, up yeah. a little bit. All sure. Right. Come back 10 years, like, wow, that's that's kind of incredible. Yep. You, you mean your money doubled in, in, you know, in that amount of time or maybe even tripled? And you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. You come back 50 years, and you're like, whoa. Holy cow. Because once again, the human mind, we think literally. We're thinking, you know, one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six. Seven. You know, we're, we're thinking like, no, that's not the way. If you, you know, in the example that's also made, if you exponentially – Think about two, four, sixteen. Yeah, sure, man. I'm I'm about broken. I'm, I'm, so I, I mean, it's a I it gets, it gets um you know it, it, you run into limits, but that is the way money grows, and there is a perfect. I mean, show them the 88 times yeah, over. Yeah, that's, we talk about this all the time. You think about the, a, a small seed turning into a tree. That is the 88 times over. A person who is 20 years old, one dollar can turn into 88. A person who is 30 years old. $1 can turn into 23. A person that's 40-year-old, $1 can turn into seven. Even a person that's 50, you still have time on your side. $1 can turn into almost $3. And that assumes if we just stop at age 65. We're thinking about like normal sort of retirement. The earlier you start, the more powerful your dollars can be. Time is what does it. It's $1 all across this entire chart. It's the time that changes how powerful it is. That, the key secret ingredient to this chart it's 45 years. What's crazy is if we took this to 55 years, mm-hmm. it, 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 it blows your mind. Changes, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's incredible. So we actually have a case study on somebody, and this, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm benchmarking this from Morgan Housel's mm-hmm. book, um, The Psychology of Money. And this is something that we've got a perfect case study, Warren Buffett. I, I got to be honest. Um, I don't often get surprised when we're doing like show yeah. prep and yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, dare I say, this one blew my mind. The whole financial world is on fire for this case study. And I'm kind of mad we didn't think of this first. Because it's so simple, but so It beautiful. is very simple, but this is why this is so effective. So I want to bring up Warren Buffett's financial life. Mm-hmm. Now, look, Warren, he's a unique bird. He's a unique bird. He realized he started investing, seriously investing, when he was like 11. Um, and, and you know, like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? No, I'm serious. Like, because look, if you come from some some families of means, like we have families, sure, multi generational grandparents yeah. will have set up a savings account, trying to get the kids excited about money. I've seen you have personal meetings with some of these some of the kids, teens, yeah. early teens, or whatever, where you're like, hey, let's talk about investing. Why you do this? That was Warren at age 11. He had a few thousand bucks. Back then. Back then. Back then. So, I mean, this shows Warren didn't come from poverty, but, man, he has done something with it. But by age 30, he had a million dollars. All right. Okay. million dollars by 30. That's not, pretty – Not unimpressive. Way, back then, that's pretty powerful <laughs> still. From yeah. an inflation adjusted, that's even more powerful. By age 50, $300 million. Now, I want you to notice, not a billionaire yet. Nope. Not a billionaire at age 50. By the way, in show prep, BOGOs, Brian, you got three years. <laughs> With a straight face, you got three years to get. I'm not going to hit 300 million in three years. Well, don't sell yourself. I get close. But listen, age 65. Look at this. This is what's crazy. He had 10 billion dollars. Unbelievable. He crossed. What did we figure out? It was 56, right? 56. He crossed into a billion. Um, So he he went from 56 to a billion. The first billion to age 65, he was 10 billion. And look at this. Age 90, he's now 80. Billion dollars, and by the way, he's giving away a chunk. <laughs> he's giving away. He's a lot giving away a lot of it. I mean, it, so and do you see exponentially? This is not growing linearly. This is growing exponentially. This is the part that I think people can't get their brains around is how much. Because look, it wouldn't surprise me if Warren has the ability to continue to live like he's doing. If we could go to age ninety-two, mm-hmm. this could cross a hundred billion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it grows that fast. So we wanted to, here's what Morgan kind of threw everybody on there, threw up things upside down. He said, Warren's biggest feature is he is now 90 years old mm-hmm. and he started investing when he was 11. Yep. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm running 88 times over on 45 years. Yep. So he said, what if Warren Buffett was just like everybody else. Yeah, I think what's so interesting is when you think about, okay, why was Warren so successful? Everyone say, oh, well, 
he's the best investor of all time. Yeah. He just knows how to pick stocks. So his rate of return is what makes him so special. It's why he has so much wealth. So, because his rate of return is like twenty two percent a year. Yep, that's right. So let's let's but let's think about in reality of what the typical investor or person is. They they, they enjoyed themselves in their twenties. Sure. They, they felt they were broke, but even though they're broke, they went out and still had a good time. Yep, didn't bedazzle their life. They actually just used the credit card. <laughs> Seemed okay. like the perfect bridge. Don't worry, mom, dad, I'll save later. Sure, I'm just going to enjoy my twenties. Warren didn't do that, but that's what the typical person does. So let's just assume Warren gets to 30, and he saved up $25,000. Which, by the way, is not bad. If you're a 30-year-old and you got $25,000 invested, again, you can go look at the wealth multiplier, multiply that times 23, still pretty strong. Still pretty strong. Uh, So then we've already mentioned his rate of return, right? So let's assume that he takes that $25,000 and he's still able to earn the phenomenal returns of 22% annualized. Which is unbelievable. Over an entire working career. Let's say that it's the investment prowess that really makes him something special. But let's decide that he decides not to continue working. Let's say that he decides to retire at 60 and wants to go play golf. It's interesting. Did Morgan use golf or did we come up with golf? Because he's more of a bridge player, isn't he? Isn't that his game? He does like to play cards. Daniel, did we come up with that or was that Morgan? Morgan did golf? Well, Morgan, I would guess that Warren would play bridge. But you know what? It's your example. We'll go with it. (laughs) So So this is what we said. By the time he retired, if he is this phenomenal investor, what would his net worth be at age 60? You know, if he's the best investor in the world. So it's not like we throttled his performance. No. All we did was we kind of stripped him of some of a lot of his time. Yep. Because he's done more of a normal, conventional, working savings career of 30 years. Yep. What we found is that starting at 25000 by the time he got to 60, he'd have $12 million. Now, don't mishear us. $12 million bucks is still a lot of money. It is that, a lot of money. Not, that's not some small We don't sum. know who Warren Buffett is, though. We, no. we, 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 a lot of you guys that are part of the Money Guy mm-hmm. family, the Abound Wealth family, this could be you. This could be. We know a lot of you guys out there that have built levels of wealth at this level. You, Warren, the thing that made him so special is he recognized how powerful the third ingredient was, how powerful time was. And, and that's the part. That, that's the, the, the key thing that I want you to understand is make sure you have time working for you. I want to go back to that same picture of that tree mm-hmm. that we used in the beginning. But let's go ahead and let's give the Oracle from Omaha his due and put a, a Warren Buffett quote on top of it. Because this is what he said. Someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. He started, he started planting his seeds at age 11. And now at age 90... He's got a whole bunch of shade. So it's, gosh, guys, I mean, if you will just harness those three simple ingredients, discipline, yep, money, and then definitely don't squander time because time is going to be the one that's the exclamation point. It's going to be the one that gives you the explosive exponential growth. And then also, guys, don't limit what you can become because I think that's the biggest thing. If you're in your 20s right now or 25 or even 30, and you're watching this, you're going to live to be a ripe old age. Don't let somebody tell you, hey, i got to live for the day because tomorrow is not promised. Statistically, you're going to be old. So go ahead and start acting accordingly and let your money have the opportunity to maximize and create the best life. That great, big, beautiful tomorrow is just sitting out there waiting for you. Uh, If you like free resources, you like deliverables, PDFs, you want to know what the nine steps of the financial order of operations are, you can go out to our website, moneyguy.com slash resources. Uh, We're going to be adding some new ones. We have some that we're working in the hopper right now that we're going to release. If you're someone who wants to know, am I doing the things with my dollars I'm supposed to be doing? You can actually go check out our financial order of operations course. You can go to learn.moneyguy.com, check that out. And then if you're sitting out there and you're just renting your seat here on YouTube, and you've not bought your ticket, you won't believe how cheap it is. <laughs> All you got to do is hit subscribe and then... Uh, Ring the bell for good service. Okay, that one works. Ring the bell for good service. Yeah, haven't you ever eaten at Arby's or someplace? No, I'm for the, it. The cowbell? I guess that's our thing. We're going to ring ring that like 
Oh, no, that's a like button. Yeah, I didn't that know you were trying to figure out. You yeah, I was trying to. I want to like do something to the like button. Yeah, but I, no, I was to trying to get out. them to turn on notifications. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you can do that too. So do those three things. Uh, and yeah, that's all I got. There's a reason he's got 2 million subscribers and we have <laughs> 80, 84,000 at this point. So we're, we're working on it, guys. Thank you for subscribing. The Abundant Cycles at work. Just keep coming. We're going to keep loading you up and just... Thank you, thank you, thank you. We enjoy all of our time with you. I'm Brian Preston, Mr. Bo Hansen, Money Guy Team, out. The Money Guy Show is hosted by Brian Preston. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through The Money Guy Show. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.